0: Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt, and this is Jesse.
1: Today on tap we have Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, starring Harrison Ford, Kate Blanchett, Karen Allen. Shia LaBeouf, Ray Winstone, and John Hurt. Story by George Lucas and Jeff Nathanson. Screenplay by David Kep. And directed by Steven Spielberg. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films. It's time to continue on with this summer box office hall of wood cask. And oh boy, do we have a doozy today. From 2008, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, Yeah, Matt, I think I texted you. um, It was yesterday, in fact. And I was like... We got a lot to talk about. I'm coming in hot on this one. Uh, yeah, you did
0: send me that text, yep.
1: I, yeah, uh, you know, just speak, speaking of Indiana Jones in this series, you know, we just had the new release, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I have not seen yet, but will be uh, shortly. Um, yeah, this is, this is a big franchise. We've covered previously Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom, um, but I always knew this one was going to be on the horizon, but... This is going to be a heck of a conversation. Uh, continuing on, uh, you know, our, you know, what if scenarios with summer box office films that were anticipated that we wanted to see, much like in the vein of Prometheus. Um, but Matt, before we get started today, just kind of, you know, ease ourselves into to this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about The Flash a little bit, uh, hopefully for the last time, but uh, I think there's some stuff that's happened in the week that I think warrants conversation, uh, being that we just did that episode last week. Okay. Uh, so the second weekend grosses for The Flash came in, and it had a 72%, 73% drop from its opening weekend numbers. Oh, my God. Yeah, so the only superhero film or superhero property that had a worse drop, there was only one ahead of it, and it was Morbius.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: so, Matt, this thing's in danger of barely making it to $115, $120 million domestically. Uh, Early estimates are that this thing stands to lose up to $200 million total. Which would put it in the top five biggest box office bombs of all time.
0: That is incredible. And there's no way that quality wise it's to that level. But boy, oh boy, Jesse, you know what I'd really like to see is yeah. what is the shortest summer runtime per screen, like weeks mm-hmm. that
1: a movie's had a hundred
0: and fifty million dollar plus film has had because if it drops another like if it goes another bit like it did this next week, mm-hmm. it's gonna be gone by the fourth of July. Oh it's yeah. The, gone by this, this
1: this thing's on HBO Max by mid July, like
0: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then I by mid July but no, maybe by the start of August.
1: Yeah. I think uh the other thing that um maybe hurted it in the week, I can't remember what day it was, but the entire movie leaked onto Twitter for about eighteen hours. And was viewed oh, really? and was viewed by about uh, two million people. Oh
0: shit!
1: So there's a bunch of people just watching the movie on Twitter in a bootleg, uh, not going to the theater to to pay for it. Uh, it's just a horrible situation across the board. Um, but I thought you'd be kind of interested in those numbers. And yeah, when it's all said and done, that thing's going to be sitting up, uh, sitting there with. Uh, Cutthroat Island, uh The Lone Ranger, John Carter of Mars, uh Waterworld. Yeah, it's in some it's in some good company.
0: <laughs> wow, man. I know. Bad start for James Gunn.
1: Yeah, it's you know, it's not like he made the movie, but it's it's the last remnants of this thing before he reboots it. Now they did uh also this week, they did cast uh the new Superman mm-hmm. and Lois Lane. I don't know if you saw that.
0: Yeah um I know you watch Westworld, World and I forget the gal that's in that film that uh, looks exactly like Lois I don't know why they didn't just cast that girl what's her oh, name Oh
1: Evan um, Rachel
0: Wood There you go like I don't know why they didn't see Evan Rachel Wood instead of the one they cast
1: Rachel Brosnahan uh, is a pretty good actress though I've seen her in a few projects and uh yeah she's she's not bad so I'm curious about that and uh David Cronenberg was uh in Pearl Uh, the Thai West horror film. So yeah, I'm I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Both Skarsgård brothers are in the running for Lex Luthor um, from what I read. So yeah, I think they're trying to shake up the casting thing, but yeah, one last time, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about the flash, we don't have to talk about it again, but Matt, I think you and I are kind of screwed on our little box office predictions. I think that one's a wash for both of us.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that you are going to probably beat me this summer because uh, the numbers on Elemental weren't good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I guess if Oppenheimer just comes along and slays, then maybe. But everybody might be so summer bad movie exhausted, it may not matter. I know. And no one goes to see that either.
1: Oppen- <laughs> no, Oppenheimer is for sure making the top five, uh, and that was an yeah. oversight yeah. on my part. But I think you and I were betting more on the Flash performing better, and I just I can't I can't believe that. I think it's crazy
0: the 73% drop in one week is uh mind-bogglingly bad yeah well Mind I hope I bad. know
1: well I hope you got some a good drink over there uh I'm polishing off a decanter that I have in the other room I actually don't know what type of bourbon whiskey is in this class but it's pretty good uh All good excellent excellent well we got a ton to talk about let's dive right into our flight question And I got to tell you, uh, that theme is amazing. if anyone didn't know, but I burned all three Indiana Jones films before this one, which I think also leads to my reaction and breakdown of it uh, in the in the flight or in the in the in the happy hour time. Matt, what a what an incredible trilogy. I think it went up in my trilogy rankings of just enjoyable, well-crafted, well-made and I know you weren't super high on Temple of Doom when we did that episode a couple of years ago, but man, there's even stuff in that too. I mean, Fortune and Glory, Indiana Jones having to learn the value of these of this mysticism is interesting to me. I mean, that's kind of a character arc in itself. Uh, yeah, there's some good stuff in that trilogy. The stuff with him and Sean Connery in Last Crusade is is amazing, and I don't need to yeah. say anything more about Raiders. It's a, it's a freaking perfect movie. Uh, which leads us to Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So my flight question to you this week is, I know this has happened to us many times, but what's a sequel that you were anticipating, looking forward to the second you heard about it, the second it was rumored, uh, the second you saw a trailer for it and was like, I can't wait to see that. And then when you saw it was an epic disappointment on... Uh, gargantuan levels. Uh, What's that film for you?
0: This isn't going to be anything that we haven't discussed before, but I just would be remiss if I didn't go back to the well on this one. Mm -hmm. It's shockingly not glass. Okay. But if it's not glass, it's got to be the other one that we speak about all the time on this, and it has to be Paranormal Activity 3.
2: Oh, yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, There's several others that are probably in the running, but... You know, usually when movies are bad, I'll just, um, you know, walk out, I'll just leave mm-hmm. before it takes me to a state that, you know, I lose sleep over or whatever. I think paranormal activity, because the trailer had catfished me so black, so badly, left me, which those guys went on to make the show catfish, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah left me expecting to see what they had forecast in the preview that I got roped into sticking around to fade out. That's as angry as I think I've ever left a movie in my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, like, was,
1: I, I was, I was, I was, I was with
0: you. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe, you know, maybe I didn't walk out cause I wanted to be respectful of everybody. I don't know why we should have all just each other and said, let's, you know, go drink or something. But, um, yeah, Paranormal Activity 3 is that film for me. It's just such a cheap money grab, lecherous way to produce a film. Let's tell what the movie isn't. Winky winky. That would have been a good movie. What instead I'm going to give you is what you see here. And this one sucks. <laughs> uh, but thanks for the money. <laughs>
1: yeah. Thank, <laughs> thanks for the 950 or whatever, uh, the nighttime prices were back in 2010, mm-hmm. 10, 2010 when mm-hmm. they came out, or tw- yeah twenty eleven I think.
0: Somewhere around there. Yeah.
1: yeah, great choice. Yeah, we're gonna have to cover that movie one of these days, just to kind of get into the weeds of just what happened. The, the 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 trailers We'll play the whole trailer and then talk about how none of the scenes are in the movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then it, it the, the the source of the paranormal activity started to become like a witch coven and you're like what is going on here? What is this? Yeah, I'm kind of yeah. with I'm kind of with you on that one. I actually kind of like paranormal activity 2, which I was too. Yeah, kind of like a soft prequel to the events of the first film with the sister. Uh, yeah, Yeah, I think that one's pretty solid and then yeah, 3 was just a downward slope after that. Um great choice. Yeah. I th- I thought yeah, maybe you'll pick the glass train. I know that David Dunn getting drowned out in the little two 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 uh, two-foot puddle of water was very troubling for you.
0: Oh, my God, yes. <laughs>
1: uh, I had to. I had an honorable mention. If you have any others, uh, yeah, we can kind of do them after that. But um, kind of the clear winner, in my estimation, was the first film I thought was a film that kind of came out of nowhere, was a surprise hit that everyone seemed to really love, and myself included. I had a great time with it, me and my family, So when the sequel rolled around in 2006, I was like, I can't wait to see this film and more adventures with these characters. And I could not have been more disappointed where I essentially bailed on the franchise right then and there. It's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest.
0: Yep, good one.
1: Oh man, two hours and 34 minutes of Davy Jones and nonsense and barnacle people and trying to get a heart out of a chest. It was, everything that was really good about the first film was just like, Amplified like up in the worst way possible. Uh, I think the visual effects look pretty good in that, but you know, they gave they t- gave Johnny De- uh, Johnny Depp an inch in that first one. Man, they gave him a mile in part two, and I just could not handle his shtick at the end of that. And it honestly gets funny that it-
0: you brought you brought up that character because I'm going to reference that exact performance in him today quite a bit too. Okay, um, interesting. You know, I'm curious. It, we'll probably never know, but. That's a great selection, by the way. I hadn't even considered that, probably because I've washed it from my mind so so heartily.
1: And it gets worse. Uh, the third at World's Heart. End with the toilet bowl whirlpool at the end. Oh, that's a that's a worse movie by kind of a long shot. But my disappointment stemmed from that one.
0: It makes me wonder. And this came up earlier in my dealings with my family here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Did, did Kathleen Kennedy have her fingers on that film too? Because I'm curious if she did, I don't think you can possibly destroy so many franchises yeah. and still manage to keep your job. Um, no, I don't and think the second that was not involved there.
1: Yeah, no, she wasn't involved. That was, that was a Jerry Bruckheimer joint on that one.
0: Okay. Well, we could get into that too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think when they made that movie that just the spectacle of Davy Jones was going to carry it? Cause that could have been the only rationale for the implausible stupidity of that story, yeah.
1: right? Yeah. It's a, yeah. And it's a shame, you know, I, I revisited that series, was it last year? First one's, oh first one's still great. It's still really swashbuckling action adventure, kind of in the vein of an Indiana Jones from like a modern perspective based on my favorite ride, Disney ride. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that sequel just—I—I—and I, I think the thing was—and kind of the genesis of this question—it's going to be a lot uh, uh, to, with today's film as well. I knew sitting in the seats that something was drastically wrong, right? Just like you were sitting yeah. there with Paranormal Activity three and Glass, and being like—and I, I actually sat with you on both of those films as well. Just yeah. the moments of this thing unraveling, like a ball of twine, just being like, what are they doing? What is happening here? Um, The other one I think could have been an honorable mention for us was Iron Man 3, man. That's a
0: legendary screening in my book. <laughs> yeah, I was going to – he beat me to the punch on that one. That, yeah, that was a disaster. Yeah. Um, If you'll grant me – The skippage of two, even though it's blue in relationship to one and let me go straight to number three, but I guess we could include two, Mm -hmm. then I will see your Iron Man and raise you the Matrix.
1: Oh, yeah. That was a Matrix Revolutions honorable mention for me. Yeah. I was kind of out on two, but I was kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt to wrap that thing up in a coherent fashion, and it got worse.
0: Hey, spoiler alert, Neo's Jesus, Jesse, and we talked about that last week, or two weeks ago? It's
1: Jesus, yes, exactly. <laughs> Holy crap, yeah, that's just, yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, it's it's only natural as a, few, a film-going audience to get excited for these sequels, because if you had a good time with the original, why wouldn't you want more adventures with that same kind of look and flair, and... All these examples we brought up kind of, I think, missed the point. I think they missed the spirit of what made those originals so good in the first place. Well said. But Matt, I gotta tell you, we weren't talking about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull today. This would be number one with a bullet in my
0: book. Yeah, yeah sir.
1: Sure. Uh but we'll talk about that viewing experience in just a second. But uh to your list, Matt, I raise one up.
0: To your list, I raise your up. And or let's sorry, raise your leg up.
1: Yeah, I, I drink to your leg. Let's dive right in uh, to our review breakdown of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
3: Russians. This ain't going to be easy. Not as easy as it used to be. Well, we've been through worse. Yeah? When? Flensburg. there was twice as many. We were younger. We had guns. Put your hands down, We you? are embarrassing us. Bates $500, bucks we can't have this. <laughs> oh, let's call it a hundred. You're a nice building, yes? drop dead I'm sorry I meant drop dead comrade alrighty so Matt you
1: want to talk about that moment when I realized uh oh I think something's drastically wrong it's the yeah, opening it's the opening moments of the movie. I think we've talked about, you know, kind of how brilliant the superimposition of the Paramount Mountain is into a real mountain or a gong mountain in Temple of Doom. And here we kind of get we get a mountain, but it's this fucking yeah. prairie dog hill and this CGI yeah. piece of crap comes out, and I knew right there I was like, uh-oh what is happening here. Uh, but okay, we'll go with it. We'll see what's going. And Matt, those freaking prairie dogs show up about five times in the movie. They should have been in the opening credits as a credit.
0: Yeah. They must have cast them because they got more screen time than anyone that kind of mattered in the film. That was a new character. They have more screen. And
1: they have more screen time than Jim Broadbent, the, the Harry Potter furniture guy.
0: <laughs> Lovehorn. Yeah. Jeffy Yeah. You- to say that you knew you were in trouble is is perfectly stated. There's an element of sarcastic humor, yeah, that makes indie work. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, then look no further than the sword wielding uh, baddie and raiders that comes out and whips his sword around like lunch up as an indie just absolutely cold blast him there and it doesn't matter. Like that—that's the kind of Dare I say? I hate to use this word because you know I'm not a fan of it in film. Cute Mm
2: -hmm. bit
0: that works with indie. The snake thing, right? There's some. There's some. And we're going to talk about that too, I'm sure later. Some traditional go-to's in this that I expect in an indie film. And why did this movie have to go the route of the bird? Yeah, and characterize the gophers or hedgehogs or prairie dogs or hedgehogs prairie dogs? What these little things are. As these silly ass get a quick laugh, I, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing?
1: Yeah. It, it, it's a sight gag, right? It's just like, oh, look at this right. mountain that you think's a mountain. And then this thing comes out of you like, oh, I guess that's kind of surplanting our expectations, I suppose.
0: And maybe that's exactly what that was. This is the edging. Your expectations of some. You thought this was going to be the grandiose efforts that Paramount is used is, is used to. Mm-hmm. Nope. This is merely a mohill and our mountain of great legacy indie franchise legacy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's destroyed by this, you know, hot rod that like zooms through here with all these, you know, 50s youths. Uh they're playing Elvis Presley's nothing but a hound dog. And then they they pass this convoy, this kind of we don't know it yet, but it's this Russian convoy. And they're playing, you know, you know, chicken with them. They want them to engage and race. And it's, I think, you know, they're trying to establish that this isn't, the last time we saw Indy, it was 1938, Last Crusade. Um, I think we're taking it up to, oh, uh, let's see here, if I can get like kind of an exact, 1957. So we're getting in pretty late after the events of the last film, right? Yeah, uh, so we got to establish a new time period, a new villain, and I think they do an okay job with that in this film. Uh, I don't want to poo-poo the whole thing, but because, yeah, because I'm, 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 I'm going to get real rough a little bit later, but I think trying to establish this new indie film in a new decade, I think they do a good job with that, especially when they're back uh, in. Uh, uh, Massachusetts or wherever Marshall College is, I think they do a good yeah. job kind of establishing the the year. And then the enemy, I mean, we can't do Nazis anymore because we've wiped them, we've wiped most of them off of the face of the planet at this point. Yeah. So why not have you yeah, had the Cold War villain, you know, the USSR that seems uh, like kind of a natural fit, right? Sure. mean
0: 1957, the height of the red Scare. That seems to be a likely choice for villainy. And it's going to call on some same of the necessary pieces that the Nazis did in Raiders, and that's, we've got plenty of them. Yeah. They're rather nondescript. They're pretty fierce. We get that there's widespread resentment towards them, and we can just roll out one after another stormtrooper, or, I mean, Tommy Bastard, and use them as just fodder to be thrown from whatever ledge or fucking car or whatever bullshit sight gag we need next in this terrible film. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I buy that. What? So sure. And that's fair. Let's not poo poo the whole thing. Cause at least we're not going back to the well with the Nazis again, because in the annals of, we hate the villain who wants to destroy earth to rule over rubble. The second one is we don't know what to use. I know go with the Nazis, right? Like that's exhausting too. Yeah. Um, the problem here, though, is Kate Blanchett. Not that I don't even like have an issue with Kate Blanchett. She's fine, mostly.
1: Is it her haircut?
0: At- her, uh, the the you know fascist. I'm sorry. The uh, the communist Dora the Explorer haircut. Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> she
1: looks like peppermint, uh- peppermint baddie or something. I don't know what's I don't know what's going on here. But I did read that this was. The hair was her 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 uh, suggestion.
0: <laughs> she she's all in, man. Like it's so badly overacted. This is what I want to get to with the Johnny Depp piece. Mm-hmm. As much as you know, he cut his teeth with Edward Scissorhands and made memorable characters, kind of in a stage presence sort of way on screen. Yeah, and then in the latter part of his career just became Johnny Depp doing Johnny Depp and makeup because there wasn't a whole lot of range. I felt like this to me was Kate Blanchett. Who's a talented actress most of the time. Yeah. Multiple Academy award winning actress in, in makeup doing over the top. The makeup's going to carry this Johnny Depp. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blonde would speak to me to be very, very cold. Mm hmm. And stoic, and she's sort of anything, but she's rather emotional. And the spectrum of frenemy that she and Indy strike for each other as this movie progresses <laughs> is one of the 50,000 things that's really troubling. But mostly every time she came on the screen, I found her to be a really big distraction, and that's bad, Jesse, because yeah. you can't have one be the distraction, yeah. right? The villain's got to highlight the character's strengths and weaknesses not distract you from everything that's going on, American Hustle. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. No, I think that's good. I think, you know, the villains in the prior films, Belloc and Donovan, you know, they were like kind of like rival archaeologists or like searching for the things alongside of him. I think that worked really well. And you have kind of the Nazis as your like stormtroopers, right? You know, they're your fodder that you're going to kind of have guys to go through. And then Temple yeah. of Doom's kind of this weird outlier, but like Molaram is just kind of more of like a cult leader. Uh, and that's kind of more fascinating than like whatever the hell this is here with Spelco. Uh, yeah, telepathy is what they're after. At the end of the day, is well, nukes are. Yeah. You know, we're not gonna fight the Cold War with nukes, like you know, like real life. We're gonna fight you with our minds, <laughs> dude. I am out. <laughs>
0: You are that doesn't work for you but you're so picky <laughs> uh yeah it's just it's
1: it's a it's a little silly and then when we find out how we're gonna do that with these aliens is like oh Jesus Christ but let, let's explain what we're doing here so you know they've kidnapped Indiana Jones and this insufferable side character uh Mac uh. And, you know, they get out of this trunk of the car, you know, like they were digging in Mexico, but now they've been brought here to Area 51 to find uh, this box that Indy must know where it's at because he's looked at it before. Right. Oh, man. Uh, what's in this box, as we're about to discover, he uses magnetism to kind of lead the way, kind of like breadcrumbs. Uh we're gonna find out there's an alien in this box, Matt, and it's not just some alien; it's the alien that crashed in Roswell.
0: <laughs> okay, so if the I Perry really gotta love that, it's yeah, the... a mere three hours from where you and I live. Yeah. Do you hate this? Like, I, I the alien thing, I get that you hate. Yeah, that's. But do you hate this opening
1: chase scene? In, uh, in the in the factory. Yeah. No, this is this is pretty good stuff. Uh uh, I think Spielberg does uh well we'll talk about that, that the 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 chase scene through the jungle later. But this I think was was pretty good. I was still kind of on board here in my initial viewing. Uh yeah, once you know they uncover the alien and they kind of ooh and ah at it, and then Mac double crosses him, this buddy that he's had for years, all these adventures that we never saw that we were kind of instilled that they're they're pretty good buds. Yeah, Indy has to give chase to get out of here from the grips of the of the Russians. And, yeah, it's. It, I think it's pretty exciting, actually.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think, for me, this is the best part of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really like the way the use of anything that was metallic kind of led them as sort of this floating arrow of magnetism to the box. Yeah. I, I thought that was rather creative. I don't buy that. That obviously would not happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not float through the air it would certainly float on a downward trajectory, but whatever. Like we're not going to play too by the letter with physics in any kind of, you know, film because it's going to ruin it. So that's yeah. fine. Let's go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I found this to be really intriguing. And again, this time through, uh, I didn't remember that they had found the alien initially right away. I thought that was revealed later, but okay. I was remembering wrong. I enjoyed this. This is like, I think this is indie being good indie yeah. resourceful, yeah. intelligent, and it's not a tomb or a cave, but it's equally interesting because we're going through what essentially is the digs of how many cool things they have uncovered. Yeah, I, like I like I, I like this up until the reveal, and then you kind of raise an eyebrow, like we're go- um, we're going down this road, right? Like we're ex- going down this. Yeah,
1: we're- extraterrestrial is like ah, oh, that's that's kind of red flaggy in my book, but. You know, I, yeah, maybe I could go with the t- telepathy, if, uh, but it's just so it, that that's already, you know, yeah, suspension of disbelief, which, you know, we, we really shouldn't be doing with, with these films. But that's that's a little bit more than kind of what's been given to us in the in the prior films, which is more of the mysticism of Christian artifacts or Shankara stones. It's it's right. always kind of just done kind of under the veil of the real reality of what it is. Here, we're right. up front and like, no, we're going to read minds to w- beat the Americans, and we're going to do it with this alien body. Uh, yeah, this Roswell alien body that Indy gave uh, notes on? He came and looked at it years ago? I'm like, holy God. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, but, yeah, but to talk about the, the action in this bit, uh, there's a shot. It was in the trailer, and it's really good in the movie, which is just kind of like a top-down view of Indy. Running on these boxes and then like whips one of the lights to get onto one of the ships and they kind of do it all in camera. Yeah. Looks really good. Uh whether that's yeah. Harrison or his stunt man, and they have some fun. They play with his age a lot in here, which is like, damn, I thought that was closer. Um no, I think that's all that's all pretty good. And he gets out of here in, in a kind of a creative way, and then he fights, you know, the big kind of Russian heavy. Uh the way they escape's pretty silly, which is this like rocket. Braille system thing. I don't even know what what the other than to get rockets kind of uh, the nukes kind of back and forth on the track here. Yeah, um, that just kind of it. It looked pretty hokey, but no, I think the my, one of my knocks I remember having in two thousand eight was well, Indy was just too old. I was like, he he, he looked old, kind of, and it didn't work for me. Uh, yeah, I kind of need to change my tune on that. I think Harrison still looks pretty good as the character here.
0: I'm with you on that. I think for this latter stage in his life, he's still in really good shape. I buy that 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 aged indie could still move like that. I think Uh, 65
1: at the time of filming. So nice and spry. I think he's able to still do a lot of the action bits. Uh, uh, So that was a knock I had in 08, which was, I don't want to see old indie. I think it worked pretty well on this viewing. I think Harrison's performance is actually not bad. Yeah. I think the story and the lines that he's given are pretty bad, but uh, I can't knock the actor. And, uh, no, I think he had kind of like a a nice kind of resurgence post this with Force Awakens and Blade Runner 2049, which was a chance to revisit these older properties and kind of give them, uh, you know, they're just desserts, right?
0: Uh, I think Ladder ladder Harrison Ford and What Lies Beneath is really good, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a movie that's really out of wheelhouse Harrison Ford kind of stuff. But yeah, like, look, we can talk about all the greats and Harrison Ford is never going to bring home any hardware to prove it. But Hollywood would not be what it is yeah. without the contributions of that man. And we can go from Indy to Han to Jack Ryan yeah. to... Um, president
1: on Air Decker, Force One. Yeah, Decker.
0: Yeah, to De- the guy has played monumentally large roles and he's played them well. Yeah. Now they're kind of, they're kind of similar, like to a certain degree, Han and Indy are kind of the same sort of smart guy, mm-hmm. but okay, fine. Uh, maybe he's typecast. It worked. And I'm never going to say like, Oh, that Harrison Ford couldn't act because he's so enjoyable on screen. That being said, yeah. even with the bad lines, we have to talk about this now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> David Kep wrote this script. Oh dear God. Let me give you, <laughs> let me give you a couple of other, um, properties that David Kep has to his very illustrious oh, ha, yeah. career that really would make one scratch their head as to how he got this. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. shocking to me that David Kep can go with, oh, let's see, um, Secret Window, That Winner, Mordecai, mm. Stir of Echoes, Premium Rush, Trigger Effect, Ghost Town, this guy has written nothing but crap. Well, the, how the, in the hell the, the too big... did he get, he get chosen for this? And, and even if he hadn't written crap prior to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the latter entries, just take Mordecai, for example. Yeah. That's one of the 10 worst movies that's ever been made in the history of cinema. That's yeah. maybe over the top, but it, it blows hard. What in how, the, Jesse, how can Indiana Jones... Be whipped and tortured
2: mm-hmm.
0: with David Kep and Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. How can they give the reins of this to those two? And I'm going to further this with, and we've already seen it, and this is not, I'm going to see it again. Yeah. And this is just sort of teasing out next week. Yeah. David Kep has his hands on the new Indiana Jones as well. Yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'm gonna see it again, but like the, what's going on here? Go run with it. Well the two the, the two properties that, you
1: know, David kept, you know, I think he's directed I think he directed Stir of Echoes and Premium Rush for sure, and Secret Window, but the two big ones he has in his wheelhouse that kind of make him like a Spielberg name, uh he did do Jurassic Park and uh I know he did the first Spider Man. And I think this is interesting to bring up, too, because... And we're going to talk a little bit about him. The the road to get to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is absolutely fascinating. But, Matt, is it... I don't even know if you can give Kep 100% credit on the Spider-Man screenplay when it started from a bunch of different iterations to get to that version that we saw, right? Yeah. He was almost like the last guy in a relay race that took it across the finish line. But there was a lot of guys that laid the foundation before... um, it got there the same speaks for this film too i mean frank Darabont had a uh, a hand in this particular screenplay uh before it kind of made its way to the kep revision and then he ends up with sole credit which is fascinating to me uh but yeah it's uh definitely worth something bringing up yeah you can you can you can uh yeah, I'd definitely throw Cap and Kathleen Kennedy under the bus. I, I have no problem uh, with that. But you're forgetting one major person. You're not also <clears throat> throwing under the bus as well. Oh, and his okay. and his name is Mr. George Lucas. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of a good time to do this. Let's definitely do this before the fridge bit, Matt. I have three clips here from the behind-the-scenes documentaries. Uh, to kind of speak on how we kind of got here a little bit and then I'll I'll pepper it in with some more facts. But I think this is fascinating just because was this a movie that should have ever been made in the first place? Here's the first one.
4: When I was done with Indiana Jones and the last crusade, there was a reason that I invented the shot of Harrison riding a horse into the sunset, because I thought that brought the curtain down on the trilogy. And then we were all going to move on and mature into other aspects of filmmaking, and I never thought I would ever see Indiana Jones again. And Harrison was tenacious, and Harrison called George and got George thinking about it, then George called me, and he said, well, Steve, what do you want to do? It could be fun to make another movie, and I, I was the holdout. I was the one that said, I'm done with this series. It was great, let's walk away. And I have to give the credit to Harrison for starting the ball rolling, and then for George in working on me to get me to consider the possibility of more stories, or at least one more story. George Lucas had this idea for Indiana Jones, and it was basically, hey, let's do aliens. And I said, George, I don't want to do aliens. I've done two alien movies. At the time, I had done E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, not in that order, but I had done both of those pictures. And I didn't want to do any more aliens, that was it. But George insisted, and he didn't. He said, this will be like a B-movie. It'll be like those 1950s B-movies, Earth versus Flying Saucers, and all those exploitation movies uh, that were really about government paranoia, Cold War fears and things like that, and Hollywood turned them into invaders from Mars.
1: So here you got your guy in the director's chair, your decision maker, the guy instrumental to making this trilogy what it is, for the look and feel of it, and he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to do it from the get go. He never wanted Matt. I gotta tell you, that end of Last Crusade, them riding on horseback into the sunset. I can't think of a better ending for a
0: trilogy. It's it's perfect. It's the searchers. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. perfect. It's it's over. Three stories. You're good. We burned this character. We're gonna find something else. Yeah, absolutely. We're done.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of toy around, uh, one thing I did find out was when the initial deal for Raiders was made in 79, I guess they made a deal for five films, so after Last Crusade, they couldn't come up with a kind of a good plot MacGuffin to to do, Uh, so they did the young Indiana Jones Chronicles uh, after the fact um but just because you say you're gonna do five doesn't mean you have to do five you can stop at three i think it was it was perfect and matt i gotta tell you this just because i know this new indiana jones is like two and a half hours spider verse was two and a half flash was two and a half i gotta tell you raiders is an hour and 55 temple of doom was an hour and 57 and i think last crusade was two hours and five minutes efficient storytelling this, and filmmaking. This is 219.
0: This yeah. is 219.
1: Yeah. Those films, Matt, they move like with a purpose. No scene in any of those tri- uh, the the three films overstays its welcome. Uh each scene is so efficient in how it leads to the next and that was really like paramount to me when I was watching it was just like wow, I just I can't believe how exciting this is that we're not doing like that 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 tank chase in the valley in Last Crusade we're not doing that for like twenty minutes. Like it's like a like a ten minute little bit and it's exciting as hell. And then we move on to the next thing. Uh yeah. there's a scene in this film where Mutt and Indy are digging through this cemetery tomb and they're screwing around here for like twenty minutes trying to find this skull. It's just like it's just so laborious and, and how it went
0: about, but I think the other thing too that we this is a good time to address is Some of the things that you can see that are built into this movie, not for the purposes of entertainment, and I'm going to use this word because I'm going to use this word later on and it's going to be significant, so I'm going to use this specific word. Okay. The economizing of this franchise. Mm. They can see that with this five-picture deal and where this is going, that maybe Harrison may not be able to pull this off. So we're going to introduce... The very young Shia LaBeouf to try to oh, take fuck. the reins, if you will, <laughs> yeah. and see if we can go forward. Because at some point, you just don't believe that a seventy-five-year-old man is swinging from, you know, a light fixture with a whip to an ongoing yeah. Russian whatever, right? Like you, mm-hmm. that becomes that becomes so sharp, so sharp, jumpy that you just can't buy it anymore. As a chart. Now, I also want to use that expression because I'm going to come back to that a little bit later, too. So you can see the economizing of this. You know, George Lucas says, There's no story here. Steven Spielberg says, Man, well, I don't know about aliens. But the brass has said, Well, we got a five picture deal, and this thing made us money, and maybe it's time to introduce a new generation to indie because all these poor parents are going to take their kids or younger versions of themselves to go see. Mm-hmm. And if we have a new, young, quote unquote, stud. To carry the franchise and look what we've done a mm-hmm. couple problems with that. They forgot along the way that you can't write to the dollar. You have to write to the page. Yeah. And secondarily Shia LaBeouf was a bad choice. Not because he was a bad choice. insofar so far as the casting, we can get into that if you want. And, and like uh, talents for acting, he's, I, what his range is. I think he's, he's a disaster. I, 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 he's I, a disaster. Yeah. He's Ezra Miller level bad of blow your own career up.
1: Yeah. I think he's. I think he's fine in this movie. Actually, it's just. uh, Yeah, if this was a hand the hat off literally to the next iteration of the character, uh, this audience wanted no part of that, right? Uh, Based on the response. But Matt, you know, we've talked about for years. You know what I've wanted them to do with the Indiana Jones franchise. Uh, especially with this, uh, series rewatch it's, it's so in tune with what the bond series has done for 60 plus years, Mm -hmm. right down to the structure. I mean, look at each indie film has its own cold open. Now this film's a little bit different in that this cold open relates directly to the plot of the film, but the opening scene of each indie film is this adventure or you're, you're right in the middle of it, right? The idol, yeah. the remains of Nurhachi, the cross of Coronado. And then you get on with the inciting incident, incident, which is the call to adventure, the quest. Like, oh, the government wants us to go after the Ark? Oh, my God, this Indian village, they took the kids in this stone? You want me to go after the Holy Grail? Holy crap, my dad's the expert. You kidnapped him too? Like, the call to action. Here, I have yeah. no idea. Oh, this, Oxley? We're going after an adventure for this character who we've never met before? Like, get out of here. Right. Uh, so, I, I think what where I'm going with that is after Last Crusade, let this thing rest for about five, six years, and then recast the character like they did with from Roger Moore or from Sean Connery to Lazenby, and then to Roger Moore, right? And just tell different stories with the new actor. Just Spielberg and Lucas can produce, but have like new talent tackling the subject material. This thing we could be man, you and I could be like 12 indie films deep at this point and just like really having a good
0: time with this series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a really important question, and this might apply to next week too, but I got to ask you this. Okay. What do you think the age of indie is, not Harrison Ford, but the character, in Raiders? How old is Indian Raiders by your estimation? 30. Mid 30s, late 20s?
1: Maybe, maybe, yeah,
0: 32, 33. Okay, so, so let's say mid 30s for posterity. Mm-hmm. <sighs> the success of that film, I, the first one, is based partly in the time that it occurs because you get a contemporary villain back set in the 1940s. I like buy you fighting the Nazis. Mm-hmm. in the 1940s. I, I also buy indie fighting these Russian bastards, these red bastards yeah. in the late 50s. Yeah, that makes sense. Like the pieces are there for that to work. What's not there though, and it, I think they're struggling with this, is what you just addressed. And that's, look, we have a stone cold winner on our hands here. Mm-hmm. We're limited into how much we can age him and how far this story can go, because at some point, a contemporary story released in nineteen ninety nine yeah. means Indy's dead fifteen years already. So we mm-hmm. cannot do that. So you have to do what you just said, and that's you can't let him get too old, because Jesse. Yeah. After the end of World War Two, maybe Vietnam, but what's the next big crisis that he gets to tackle? There yeah. isn't really a lot. Yeah. So the gas what crisis. What you're saying is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The rise of AI. Yeah, um, What you're saying is imperative. We have to find after a soft time reset that's time in the viewer's eyes. Mm-hmm. So like not forget about Harrison but allow the possibility that maybe somebody else can play this role yeah. at a age that's comfortable to where we can stay in this time frame. Like we have to stay yeah. in this Fifty, like forty-five, dare I say, sixty-three era. Because we can go back.
1: We can go back earlier. We get like thirty-five to like nineteen fifty. Like let's stay in like that age range.
0: Fine, let's do it. Yeah, there's plenty of stories that we can tell there, and I think what it also allows is what kills a lot of thriller action movies today, Mm -hmm. and it's cell phones. Yeah. The inability to communicate and the length of travel are key components in aged set action films. Yeah. And so all of that stuff is there. And I think that the powers that be are cognizant of that. And I'll give them credit for trying with Shia LaBeouf, who on the screen kind of looks like he would fit the part. Yeah. I, I sort of buy it. I don't buy it as much now because I know what this is going to become, you know, 15 years later. <laughs> I know how the movie but, ends. Yeah. And I know what his story is yeah. and a blessed heart. I hope he can, you know, kind of figure it out and the peanut butter Falcon, I think helps with that some, but I, I, I don't know this, I don't even know if this is a film problem or just this particular.
1: I think it's a character problem. Uh,
0: And I don't think. And and a bad luck problem too. Just a bad luck problem.
1: Sure, absolutely. And I don't think it would diminish what Harrison did with the character. Um, But I look back very fondly on Sean Connery, Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and Daniel Craig. Like each guy gets their time to shine. I just think there's a well of opportunity of storytelling that can be told like you got to invest in a new actor and everyone's going to hate it and complain. But I think this series more than any others that I can think of could actually benefit from that.
0: Uh, a fresh, are going to hate it and complain yeah. until the casting is done at a level of expertise, which there's plenty of people to give you advice on that Yeah, to where you forget everybody. Every time there's a bond change, Yeah, there's teeth gnashing and pitchforks and torches and all of this. And then usually it goes like, now that's pretty good. Yeah. You know, and everybody has their hierarchy of which ones they liked. And we could even do that with Batman too, right? Yep. We could do it with the same thing. Yeah. Indiana Jones, 007, Batman. We're going to do it again now with Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, those characters are so ingrained into our minds with who starts them that we're reluctant to give any possibility for someone else until it's done well, see James Bond and to a certain degree,
2: mm-hmm.
0: The Batman. Yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. So that brings. So us... if you like yeah. the character, you have you have to give in because yeah. Indy's now eighty five fucking years old. I know, and a man <laughs> in a walker can't whip a skeleton. It doesn't yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're 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 he is the skeleton. Yeah, you're brittle all over. Uh, let me play the next Here. clips. Okay, so okay, we were there's hesitation. We don't want to do this this movie. Okay, but what if we kind of think of this way to do it?
4: I resisted, I resisted, I resisted, but I also never thought I'd be making Indiana Jones for it. So I, I, I kind of, I, I guess I kind of humored George by going along with it, thinking, well, I'll never wind up directing this movie, though. I wind up producing with George and somebody else. We'll get some young kid to come in and do this, you know. And then when we actually began to get close to a story involving extraterrestrials, Independence Day came out, which was a smash. And I said to George. I called George up after I saw the movie and said, hey, this movie's really a lot of fun. It's brilliantly directed by Roland Emmerich. It's just got everything you want in a movie. It's got humor and it's got drama. It's got things you've never seen before. It's got a mothership bigger than my mothership in close encounters hovering over a city in broad daylight. I said, come on, we can't do aliens, especially since Roland has done his alien picture.
0: I then sort of thought, well, maybe I could do a kind of, you know, uh, there's a whole genre of Ancient civilizations developed by aliens, and I said, "Well, maybe I can move it into that, you know, without flying saucers, and see if that would work."
1: Oh my God, Dan Aykroyd, enter from stage left over here.
0: Uh, Oh, Jesse, oh, I've never heard that. Yeah, damn them for not listening to Steven Spielberg.
1: Yeah, Spielberg is like literally trying to think of any way to get out of this, right?
0: (laughs) Okay, let's. Can we talk about this for a minute? Yeah, and that's. If you are the Tomb Raider for ancient relics from lost civilizations, Mm -hmm. there are tens, dare I say, fifties of choices to make. Yeah. Whether you want to do Atlantis, and that's what I'm going to contend a lot with next week. Yeah. But you kind of decide, well, we could do
5: Mayans. We
0: could do, let's go to Peru. So we'll do the Incans. Let's, that's cool. Yeah, there you go. There's plenty of Incan relics that could be worth a fortune in Peru. Presents a really cool atmosphere to do it in. Yeah. But Incan sidled up with aliens that speak Mayan is so innately effed up I want to puke. Especially now that I hear Steven Spielberg said, George, we can't do aliens. Let's just do Old civilization,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Jesse. You know what language the Incans don't speak? Yeah. The Incans who live in Peru, mm-hmm. they don't speak Mayan. Yeah. They speak something that's spelled Q U E C H U A, There's No way I pronounced that right because mm-hmm. I don't speak it. Yeah. But I sure as hell don't speak Mayan either, and I'm not Incan. Yeah. Yeah, they, a, he knew it. Yeah. And he they wouldn't listen. Well he's I think he brought
1: up a cool point too. It's like, why are we gonna do an alien picture when this guy just did it way better in bigger fashion? Like it seems yeah. m- mute at this point. I love Independence Day, by the way. Uh sure. uh the first one, not that sequel. Uh no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh okay, so okay, let's let's play the next clip here.
4: So then George came to me one day. I'll never forget this conversation. He said, you know, you might be right about this alien thing. Maybe we shouldn't mm. do aliens. There's too much of that stuff around. I said, mm. George, I love you. That's the best news you've ever given me. He said, yeah, they're not aliens. They're, they're kind of extra-dimensional. I said, what? God. He said, ever hear a st- string theory about different dimensions? I said, yeah. He said, okay, these are interdimensional beings. They're not extraterrestrials. They're interdimensional. So I said, fine, fine. And what are they going to look like? George said, they look like aliens, but we'll call them interdimensional.
0: Jesus Christ. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know what to say. I was, in my mind, murdering Steven Spielberg. I finished this film this morning because I couldn't get through it last night.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, murdering Steven Spielberg, thinking to myself, this is clearly a director who is used up. There's nothing left. The candle is is down to the the bare minimum of of wax The wick is shot. There's nothing left here. Well, old man still has some energy in those batteries and he's seeing it because he understands film. The problem is he sidled up to maybe the worst producer ever who got the luckiest movie ever, Mm -hmm. which is George Lucas, who won't get out of the way long enough to let Spielberg say, let me just find a cool, thing from another civilization. It doesn't have to be aliens because that's it. We just won't call them aliens.
1: Interdimensional (laughs) beings. Oh, get out of here.
0: They are. What's, what's the line that we get at the end? They are, um, is it beings? No. What is it? Things that exist in the space between space. I forget what line that was, but there's something later and that's how they describe them. They exist in the spaces between spaces. Yeah, that's what it was. Are they space beings? And Oxley says, no, there things exist in the space between spaces. Dude, that's what, what a dude, load dude, of Dude,
1: what a, what a kept line there, man. Dude, that's awful. Yeah,
0: awful. awful,
1: awful. So let, let's kind of catch this, catch this up here. So one idea that I discovered in, in research that they toyed around with which I think would have been interesting would before the young Indiana Jones Chronicles an idea that they had was to continue a film series with the younger Indy portrayed by River Phoenix yeah and that kind of went out the window when when he passed very young right yeah so in one of th- one of the other things that they don't mention in there was Harrison Ford actually plays old Indy in an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, which kind of spearheaded this whole conversation of, well, if we did a re- movie with an older Indy, that might be kind of fascinating. But mm-hmm. they had screenplays, Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars, Indiana Jones yeah. and the City of Gods, which was written by Frank Darabont. And really? then, and then something that I had always heard of, but I and I couldn't find like any kind of details because I don't know if he's ever spoken about it. But after the Unbreakable, M Night Shyamalan was kind of toyed around with with directing and writing this this film, uh, yeah. and it kind of went nowhere. And then he quote says, "It was he he was hard to write for an intended 2002 shoot, but he was overwhelmed writing a sequel to a film he loved like Raiders. He yeah, it's one of his big inspirations." Sure. Uh he said he, he claimed it was difficult to get uh Ford, Spielberg, and Lucas to to kind of focus on like what, what his version was going to be because they're, they're trying to develop a whole separate movie with aliens over there. Right. So yeah, it's it's very it's very sicky, uh right. sticky. And then Darebound jumped on board, delivered City of the Gods, which Spielberg loved, but Lucas had problems with because he was hell bent on aliens being in this thing. Then they hired Jeff Nathanson who Meets with the guys. Uh, he puts in his drafts. Uh, one of the titles was Indiana Jones and the Atomic Ants. Uh, that's not great either. And then finally, David kep gets on board here. Uh, and they toyed around with a title called Indiana Jones and the Destroyer of Worlds. The oh, Oppen- my God. Uh, yeah, the Oppenheimer line. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then he kept on from there and delivered what became Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So what a wild road to get to from crusade to this film. Yeah. And we're still,
0: we're still, uh, we're st- and man, we're still in the opening scene.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So there's so many places that could have gone. They could have gone feudal Japan. Uh, that we could have gone to yeah. Egypt. Yeah. We could have gone to any number of ancient civilizations. We could have gone to the long and broad stretching Mongolian empire. There's any, we we could have found the Shroud of Tamarind. There's a million things they could have looked after. And instead we decided to go with a Roswell based alien that they gave away in the first 11 minutes of the film. Mm -hmm. That's part of the shtick that he's forgotten is the quest to get the thing and the reveal of the thing is what works. And whether it's the ornate beauty of the Ark of the Covenant or the undefined simplicity of the holy grail. Yeah, I mean, that's literally the catch in the last crusade is they have to find the plainest looking grail yeah. among all of these. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And instead we go alien and we'll make it look like every picture of alien that's ever been drawn with an elongated head and those uh, sort of leaf shaped eyes. Yeah, And then give it to them. Right away, so that when they give us the skull, it's not a reveal at all because it looks exactly like I would expect it to look. Yeah. What? it just, this was so avoidable. And I don't know what any of those titles mean. And some of them are even less appealing than this might be. But the thereabout one doesn't sound unappealing. And maybe that's where they should have gone because I have the faith that if I'm putting, like, okay, if I have $3 million, Jesse, and I can pick David Kemp. <laughs> Or Frank Darabont to pen me a script, dude. A Darab- Darabont every time, right? Fifty times
1: over, right? Hang on, hang on. Here's one for you. Okay, so let's let's add three. Let's add. Okay, you get Kep, Darabont, or Shyamalan at the height of his powers. We might go with
0: him, actually, right? Uh, yeah, we might. Yeah. Uh, although it it's entirely and uh, the action bit compared to the suspense bit. Would pause, but I mean, either one of those two is a slam dunk compared to David Kep.
1: I know. Okay, so ah, let, Jesus. yeah, let's get to the moment. The uh, I'm going to tell another story, another long-winded story, but it's going to get us into the next scene, which is you know, Indy and this Russian guy are fighting on this uh, rocket skiff that sends them out into the desert. Past some. Oh my pra- God, we're not even out
0: of the first act yet. Yes,
1: yeah, so they're going to get him past these prairie dogs, and he's going to end up like looking lo- uh, uh, at this nuke town. Yeah. Now let's go back to two thousand eight. Get in your time machine. We're going back to 08. Matt <laughs> I, Yeah, there you go. Uh Matt, I had just graduated high school, like that like kind of like second week of May, right? So uh I can't think of a better time as a youth than that like two to three week gap window that you have before you either start a summer job or you start all the college stuff. You kind of have like a two-week window there to kind of just like do nothing, right? Yeah. Uh, Just kind of hang out. And so this film came out (laughs) Memorial Day weekend, uh, pretty eventful day. Uh, uh, With my friend uh, Nate, we actually, we burned through because we were going to go to the midnight screening. We did Raiders, Temple, and Last Crusade all in one sitting. I'd never done that before, but man, we were getting prepped. Yeah, And then we had one last band obligation uh, to go to at a park and we ended up playing football. And I can't remember if this is the concussion game, but there was a game we played a football where like everyone got like, like, like kind of really hurt. And so I don't
0: know if well you and at least did your shoulder get fucked up again? Yeah, probably
1: probably didn't. I think yeah, yeah, maybe Nate had a concussion or something. And so I can't remember if that was before seeing this or if that was a different time. But we we might be watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull (laughs) slightly concussed and shoulders popped in and out. We, it was, it was, you know, it was the day of the, it was the true midnight screening right now. They have the Thursday three o'clock, five o'clock, seven o'clock. But back then you was midnight. It was 1201 was when you were seeing this movie. So we go see this thing. Uh, and we had such a big group that like we got split into two theaters. Yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you, I thought it was quite alarming uh, when uh, the trailer for the Dark Knight played before the movie. Yeah. That trailer got more applause than any moment in the film that I was about to watch. Yeah, for sure. A trailer. Sure. A trailer for a movie that wasn't coming out for another two months. Uh, yeah, people were more excited about. But the moment, Matt, the moment I knew I was in deep shit was I think you set it up a little bit with your kind of jump the shark moment. Let's just call it nuke the fridge. Mm. I knew I was I was in it for a bad time because how in the almighty hell did this make the final cut? This fridge that he puts himself into and then gets blasted about a mile away from the blast radius and somehow walks out unscathed. We've suspended our disbelief quite a bit in this series, the powers of God and covenants and stones and ripping people's hearts. Matt, I think it's more plausible to rip a man's heart out and have it beat for a little while than survive this nuke blast, man.
0: This was the moment. I'm we'll- glad to hear you say that, Jesse. Yeah. Yeah, me and my wife were watching. I made her sit down and watch this with me last night for a little while. And after that happened, we both looked at each other. And just very matter-of-factly had a discussion about how many times dead over you would be. She brought up a good point, which was I don't know if you'd be shattered because you would be in the refrigerator and restrained, like your limbs would not be flying about. But... The blunt that trauma said, the bl- the blunt trauma
1: from landing alone would just kill you instantly.
0: For sure. Yeah. For sure. And here, okay, you you put a bug in my ear when you mentioned one of those other titles that was based on the Oppenheimer bit. Destroyer. Was this the part maybe of another screenplay that they really liked? Like a We just a, left it in. A new Kevin screenplay? Yeah, possibly. Because the question you have to ask is after he escapes on this this exceedingly fast semi trained thing with the, the, you know, big bad rusty next to him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I buy that he would end up in a town where they were still developing further nuclear power. I mean, I can see that still being a thing in 1957, yeah, especially certainly in with the, the rise of communism and, and especially and, in Nevada. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Nuclear mm-hmm. power. Like I buy that. Uh, and it's an interesting countdown in him trying to find a place to hide. All that kind of is working. But, where you're going to hang yourself up is that's working kind of in the middle of a movie about aliens who don't have any address with the Incans regarding nuclear slash atomic power. Mm -hmm. So this is just white noise. And on top of it, it's white noise that is jump the shark. And I've got a new expression that we're going to use. It's going to change jump the shark that we're never going to use again. And it's going to occur somewhere between, the hour and fifteen-minute mark to the hour and thirty-six-minute mark, or hour and thirty-one-minute mark, we'll get to it. But the shark is so jumped, like the Fonzie's looking at that refrigerator flying through the air, going, "Man, that is <laughs> bullshit."
1: Yeah, oh yeah, and and what's when he gets out of the fridge and he rolls out unscathed? The fr- what's the who's the first thing he encounters? A chipmunk or a, 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 a prairie dog?
0: <laughs> Who managed to survive the blast because you know it's cute.
1: Oh, holy God. And then, yeah, yeah. so I, I that was the moment, ladies and gentlemen, when I was like, I don't think this is my indie that I grew up loving uh, that VHS yep. trilogy box set, I think is well in the past. They're doing something here that I don't think I'm on board with. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it shifts pretty quickly, The U.S. government interviews Indy after they scrub him down uh, for radiation they think he's a communist because of his affiliation with Ray Winstone's character, who just, uh, yeah. we failed to mention, yeah, he he kind of betrays him, a double agent. He's going to do it a couple times. Well, he's top- a
0: quadruple agent. <laughs> he's a quintuplet double agent.
1: Dude, you want to talk about a good cap line. So what are you, uh, a triple agent? Mm, uh, genius. Yeah. And so he's on the U.S.'s radar of, yeah, maybe being, uh you know, working for the Reds. So yeah. then we get back to some familiar territory, which is Indy... In his at Marshall College, teaching you know uh, these future archaeologists, or just teaching this class, it's, it's all really good. Uh, the guy from Harry Potter that changes into furniture is the new Marcus Brody, the dean of the college, yep. yeah. uh, and I think has an interesting conversation with him, which is Indy. I got to put you on a leave of absence. It's nothing personal. It's just your everything's hot right now. You need to lay low. And he's like, Oh, what do you know about sacrifice? He's like, Well, I stepped down for you.
0: Yeah, they fired me.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so then we, we get kind of an interesting bit. I'm kind of inter- interested on, on your take of it, but uh, you know, we got to catch up, you know, what happened to these other characters that obviously aren't here. And kind of in some passing dialogue, we learn that Marcus Brody and uh Indy's dad died within like the last couple of years, right? Yeah. And so he's kind of alone. He's kind of a man without, you know, friends. He just kind of goes from adventure to adventure. I guess he's going to go to London and just kind of see see where that takes him. And then then enter in the the new indie uh, insert, which is Mutt Williams, played by Shia LaBeouf, uh, on a motorcycle. And they're, go- they're going for some sort of, you know, Marlon Brando, the wild one type of greaser look with him. But Matt, what do you yeah, think of, of what, what do you think of the, the introduction of of this character?
0: It's not fair, really, to answer that now. It's okay. Like, oh my God, give me a break! Yeah, but back then, if I can remember, it might have been also. Come on, give me a break. Uh, I what do I think of it? I'm lukewarm at best. Uh, I hate it now because I just know what this is going to be, and I know what a waste of time that character ends up being. And but before I say one more thing, have you seen the new one yet? Have you seen Dallas Destiny yet?
1: No, I'm up, uh,
0: going uh, today. Okay, um, so I won't say much more about that. But uh, oh, I don't know, lukewarm at best. Okay, I I, I don't want to get to know a new indie, which obviously this is going to be his running mate. And I've never been a fan of in that series. You know this. I'm never a fan of Steven Spielberg the sort of on-the-nose use of children for cutesy things. Now, this is not a child. You know, Shadda LaBeouf is probably 20 at this point, so he's not a kid. But it just, it just kind of seems like more white noise fodder for me in a movie that's filled with white noise and fodder. Uh, what about? We don't know where he's going and this guy's going to show up. Meanwhile, these sort of two, you know, suit feds are kind of chasing down the train, too. It's just a lot that's happening. What about
1: when we get the actual gist of what this movie's going to be about?
3: number of crystal skulls in the world i saw one in the british museum interesting craftsmanship but that's about it all right we'll laugh if you want loxley said he found it this time he said this was real and he was off to a place called akator with it Acator? he said that yeah you're sure that's what he said he said akator what is it it's a mythical lost city in the amazon conquistadors called it el dorado Supposedly the Buga tribe, were chosen by the gods 7,000 years ago to build a giant city out of solid gold. It had aqueducts and paved roads and technology that wouldn't be seen again for 5,000 years. Francisco de Oriana disappeared into the Amazon looking for it in 1546. I almost died of typhus looking for it myself. I don't think it exists. Why would Ox want to take the school there? The legend says that a crystal skull was stolen from Akator in the 15th or 16th century, and that whoever returns the skull to the city temple will be given control over its power. Power, right. So there's some kind of power. What's the power? I don't know, kid. It's just a story. Oh. From his
0: letter, my mom thought the ox was off his rocker. You know, smog in the noggin, so she goes down there to find him. and he'd already been kidnapped. Now they got her too. No, I said he had that skull someplace. If my mom
3: doesn't come up with it, they're going to kill them both. And she said you'd help me. Well, me? What's your mom's name again? Mary. Mary Williams. You remember her? we heard a lot of Mary's, kid. Shut up. That's my mother you're talking about. All right? It's my mother. You don't have to get sore all the time just to prove how tough you are. Sit down. Please. Sit down.
1: Okay, Matt. Help me, help me walk through this. So... What we're about to find out is that the, these alien, these interdimensional things descend upon this city. They tell these natives to build a city for them, right? Which is, I guess, the lost city of El Dorado. Holy crap, we're doing that yeah. in this movie too? Yeah. Then, after it's all built, uh, these conquistadors come uh, and steal one of these crystal skulls, with that, which then strands the aliens there, right? Yep. And then they go back to Peru, where they also, I guess, get slaughtered. And then Oxley finds this crystal skull there and then takes it to this Akator, but then takes it back to this crypt, then gets captured, and then now we're kind of caught up, right?
0: Naturally, yeah. (laughs) Holy crap.
1: (laughs) I mean, that's... It, you, a, you, had,
0: Jesse, you had it in the first sentence. Mm-hmm. That was the film.
1: Yeah. Eldorado. Go mm-hmm.
0: find the lost city of Eldorado.
1: No, but, but on, this, on, on top of that, we're going to do telepathy, interdimensional yeah. extraterrestrials, the Roswell alien, crystal skulls, and the lost city of Eldorado.
0: So we're in a mess because none of those, like that is all done in a big exposition dump as well. Mm-hmm. So. You know, there's ways you can do that narrative that help the audience understand in rapid succession what's happening, and that's you go to a screen and you give us skills or images of those things happening or a narrative on a younger Indiana Jones and a recollection of said events. But just to sit there and I know you love this at a tabletop and tennis it back and forth I know. Is such bad Bad writing. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to show it, don't tell it, and you can tell it. If you weren't already dandered up with, oh my God, this is a mess with the gophers, you know now. You know you're in the middle of it now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because that is a
0: disaster. You could play that five more times and we could still not quite grasp it all because it's just too much.
1: Yeah. It's a shame, too, because kind of what's about to come after this here, uh, is this pretty well-done, I think, motorcycle chase through the city and the college. I think it might be my favorite moment of the movie, actually. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. With Indy on on the back, and we kind of get to see, you know, he's good on a bike, and, you know, them trying to traverse here. They decapitate Marcos Brody's statue. Man, I mean, thought that was crazy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Here's this old character you knew and loved, but here's what we're going to do to him here. Yeah. But, yeah, trying to figure out, and they're essentially just playing catch-up here. I mean, trying to piece together the clues. Uh, I guess Oxley left them a note in a dead language that Indy's able to figure out, which is the raised hill mounds from the sky we will send you there. And then they go to this jail he was at. And then they find the kind of like a map on the floor, which is the, like, catacomb crypt the bread this is why raiders was was so great which was like we kind of do a lot of the same stuff but everything's a lot more clear it's about getting pieces that are going to give us the map to know where we're going to dig and it's it's kind of a natural progression of how to kind of solve a mystery right yeah here i have no idea what we're doing it's just we're, we're 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 trying to figure out the aliens and which alien is it the roswell alien is it the is it the grays is it is it the 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 mayan alien Who's Oxley is his character we've never seen before, but we know he's done a lot of research, I guess. Now we got this yeah. this new young indie that we're we're, we're kind of he's he's our sidekick uh, going in this time like we yeah we're we're, we're a mess here. Mm-hmm. But I gotta tell you it's kind of nice once we finally get Harrison in his traditional indie uniform with the leather coat. I mean he's looking pretty good here. but he sure is. what do you think of okay, we get to the crypt here. I'm getting us a little a little ahead. But uh, what do you think of this kind of crypt robbery sequence? We get some nice fisty cuffs with, I guess, these guards that are so these native guards with spear, uh, poison dart guns and whatever. Uh, but then, like I told you, this is the scene that I think takes like 15 minutes kind of toiling around the, the tomb here. And then Shia LaBeouf has these CG scorpions crawling on him. And Indy has some stupid line of like, if they're small... If they're big, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm like, I don't think that's the case. I think there's some big scorpions that can kill you. Uh,
0: well, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot about the animal kingdom in the next hour of this movie. <laughs> so I'm glad that you chose to stop at this stop. But they also don't like Russians, and we'll find out about that later. But um, okay, so this is at about the like fifty-seven minute mark in the film. Yeah, and as bad as this stuff is that we've already discussed up to this point. I'm going to argue that at this point the movie takes a precipitous downturn and gets even worse. Okay. Okay. Here's the problem. You have to give us some clue at some point as to what we're after, because after that dialogue dump at the table that we had, no one knows what the hell's going on anymore. Are we after the last city of it, You know, um, Eldorado, are we going to Peru? Who the fuck is this Oxley guy? Uh, what about that alien we saw in the beginning? Oh yeah. There's Keith Blanchett and the Russians like we're a mess. Mm hmm. So you have to give us something at this point, David Kep to get things kind of back on track. So we know where we're going. Okay. So like you said, we show up in a very traditional, I guess this is probably the opening of the second act. I don't think this is the midpoint yet. We'll don't have to go back and look, but maybe it's, maybe it's the midpoint Okay, of a traditional indie piece. Mm-hmm. And that is raiding a tomb. Yeah. We get there and we come to, a tomb of conquistadors, I'm assuming Spanish, because that's who colonized Peru. Yeah. And then as we begin to go through their decrepit remains, we find that this area is protected by nondescript, poisonous, dart-blowing bad guys yeah. that are never explained in anything other than what they look like on the pages of the white that David kept wrote in nonsensical black, mm-hmm. and so we get, like you said, a eh, little cat and mouse, tit for tat skirmish. But after 15 minutes of this raid into the tomb, R- real quick, we get real, the big reveal. So yeah, I, yeah. Real quick, do you like the line,
1: uh, Mud's line? So you're 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 a you're a teacher, and then he goes
0: part time. Yeah, part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we get the reveal of what we're after, and that's the crystal skull. Like we have found it at the halfway point in the movie. This is a tragic mistake mm-hmm. because now that we've acquired it, we're going to go through this ridiculous game of handoff: who's got the missing skull between Indie Incorporated and Kate <laughs> Blanchett Russian Incorporated? <laughs> because we've already brought it into play. Yeah there's no more quest. The quest now is who can possess it the long enough, not be hypnotized by it, how it can bend the will of ant in order to get it back to, I think what's just a short distance away from already. We're already where we are in this tomb to stick it in a hole. Like that's what I mean. The movies now at this point, we're done. You've blown the second act turning point at either the opening to the second act or the midpoint beat wise. And what's already been a kind of a colossal disaster, you have now galactically worse yeah. changed the story to where there's no going back. And the other thing too you have to now consider is if this thing is crystal, it's probably breakable.
1: Oh yeah, they're they're chucking they're they're chucking this thing in a bag back and forth on that convoy chase scene.
0: I mean I guess if Indy can survive a nuclear explosion in a refrigerator, then all things are safe with the right packaging, but <laughs> The shark now is looking up at the phones going like, "Hey, buddy, I agree with you, this is bullshit. Yeah. And also, here's the thing. I found myself at this point in the film, instead of like shaking my head and, and clicking my thick tongue and suggesting oh so very delicately to myself about what they should fix, I just didn't care anymore.
1: I know, yeah, you're kind of tuning out, yeah, me too. I, I think I was watching this time with just such a state of disapproval, and especially after burning through the first three, just going yeah. like, how is this just like, they just like, didn't like watch like what came before and everything's just off. And I think this is where a better villain would come in play because kind of think of Raiders. Yep. I mean, to, to yep. some extent in Raiders, the midpoint is they discovered the arc and then it becomes, oh shit, the Nazis are taking it. I can't let them re- get with this thing. I have to get it back. So now it becomes a kind of a, a, a re-retrieval of the artifact from the clutches yep. of the villain. Uh, yeah. and uh, what you might call a uh, temple of Dooms, the same way with the, with the, with the cult. What's really mm-hmm. good about temple of doom 2's midpoint, which is Indy gets those stones after they sacrifice that man and pull his heart out. And mm-hmm. Indy's about to book it. He's like, I got these three stones fortune and glory. And then he hears those kids getting whipped in the background. And he's yeah. like, Oh, like
0: maybe I'll pretend,
1: m- maybe I'll pretend I didn't hear that. And then it happens again. And he's like, uh, I kind of need to go see what that is. And then it kind of propels the rest of the film, right? Which is mm-hmm. this is about more than that. It's about, you know, you know, humanity. It's about saving people. These things are a little more sacred than how we're treating them. How yeah. are we gonna treat sacred artifacts with something that was made by aliens, right? I mean, it's just it's just so right. I just it's 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 dabbling in stuff I just really don't care about. So
0: Let's get to it. And then now we get into this other piece, which is now that we've acquired it, Mm -hmm. what are we going to do with it? And I I got to click it. Delete? Okay. All right. Never mind then.
1: Yeah. I'll I'll play this and then we can jump on it.
5: The body we found in New Mexico was not the first. We'd already dissected two others from similar crash sites in the Soviet Union.
3: Jesus Christ. Saucermen
5: from Mars. Mm -hmm. The legends about Akatora all true. Early men could not have conceived it, much less built it. It was a city of supreme beings with technologies and paranormal abilities.
3: You gotta be kidding me.
5: Why do you choose not to believe your own eyes? The New Mexico specimen gave us hope. Unlike the others we'd found, its skeleton was pure crystal. Distant cousin, perhaps. Maybe they too were sent to find Akator. Perhaps we're all searching for the same thing. A distant There is no cousin? other
3: explanation. There's always another explanation.
5: The skull was stolen from Akator in the 15th century.
3: Whoever returns, returns it... it to the city temple will gain control over its powers. I've heard that bedtime story before. It's a legend. Why do you think Akator even existed?
5: You should ask your friend that question. We're certain he's been there.
3: Oxley.
1: Matt, a distant, the Roswell alien was a distant cousin of these aliens. Oh man, dude, where did you pull that thing out of his ass, man? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why? I
0: mean, like we don't have enough information on any of the aliens where we would know if they're the same or not. And this could just be again, bad line, bad writing. We probably can put that argument to bed now. Cause I think we've established yeah, that this sure. thing is written like crap, but um, I
1: do also want to say uh, don't don't forget your train of thought here i'm I'm sorry no. introducing aliens into this plot and you and I have talked about this off mic oftentimes on religion versus you know supernatural and whatever but we've had this conversation before which is if aliens are ever proved to be real like this film is about to do it kind of discredits all world religion being that we're not some superior we're not made from a, a a being like God, right? I mean, if we're not crafted from His image, I mean, if there's other beings, we're coming from some other superior life force, right? Right. So at the same time, when we're introducing aliens, it kind of doesn't discredit a little bit of the, the, the prior three films, which are very heavily
0: religiously influenced. And, oh, that's we're, great. Catch absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, keep going. I love it. Keep going.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the big takeaway from those first three indie films is indie coming to grips with the mysticism of these divine artifacts and finding a sense of belief that these things do work. The power of the grail brought my dad who was on the brink of death back to life. Uh, Mm -hmm. I saw the Ark melt away the faces of evil because of their evil intentions. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah if we bring aliens into the fold here, it, it just, it kind of ruins the mythology of all that other stuff, because there is life beyond God. If these aliens can divinely create what they do in this film.
0: God, Jesse, think about what you just said. If the toll of this film wasn't heavy enough just for the viewer, mm-hmm. then let's leave no stone unturned and wreck the entire mythology of the previous three installments by doing exactly what you just said. Yeah. If there are aliens with this movie of continue, the answer is absolutely irrefutably. Yes. And multiple, of them, cousins, relatives, a whole family moved in, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ETs
1: floating around there somewhere too. Yeah.
0: It, then, then what you said is absolutely right. Then it means all of the brilliance of what they have crafted in one. And like we said, I didn't love two, but even two and certainly three,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or just ruses that this other Supreme species. Yeah. Set about, you know what it did? You know what it is? It's, It's that last season of the X-Files. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. When we got to Mulder and Scully revealing that the Bible was crafted by aliens and it meant nothing. Yeah. And at that point, which was a series I absolutely loved, like top, 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 top. I'd literally turned it off. And not because I'm like, how dare they do such a blasphemous act, but just like, oh my God, we're not, that's, that's where you're going with this. Yeah. Okay, I guess the aliens are into fiction. Let's fool everybody. Maybe the aliens made this trailer for Paranormal Activity 3. Who knows? Because now God does. Yeah. You're right. You're so right. What a terrible, terrible choice they've made on that.
1: Mm-hmm. But now they're about Good to catch. use it. Love that. I know. <laughs> Kept that. Uh, mm-hmm. We're about to introduce Oxley, played by John Hurt. Uh, we'll most fondly remember him as Cain, as a xenomorph burst through this man's chest. Uh, and I don't even know what movie this guy is in. I, I think he's he's playing like slightly like brain damaged a little bit and brainwashed mm-hmm. by the aliens and the Russians. I don't know what's going on with this guy, but we're yeah. going to use the crystal skull to form a tele, uh, telepathic bond between Indy and Oxley. That way we can get the location of the city of El Dorado. That way we can go put the skull back where it's supposed to go. Dude, Indy, you know, rigged up to this machine. I was like, I don't know how we got here, but this doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones movie to me.
0: Right. And then, okay. Well, the that, thing, question yeah. is, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I think you're going to get to
1: it. No, you, you go ahead. You go ahead.
0: This Oxley character that we've talked about so much as being this, this very informed source on where this kingdom of this crystal skull and, and maps and all things knowledgeable about that is now just become your version of Electro. Mm-hmm. Let's do all of this to create him and then we'll put him in a cage for the entire rest of the movie. Yeah. Let's take this guy that knows all things that'll help us decode this hot mess of a movie that you've crafted and make him essentially a mute. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's not conflict. That's just frustration. Yeah. Again, more white noise because you know sooner or later he's got to come around. And then let's do the, let's do something even worse. Let's put Indy through the exact same process that Oxley went through, which was the hypnotic elements of looking into the eyes of the crystal skull. And it's going to brainwash Oxley and leave him a veg, like a vegetable. But it's not going to hardly do anything to Indy at all. So yeah. was there something special about Oxley that made him react that way? we're just getting, now we're starting to play around with Prometheus space. Like the more answers we're trying to, or the more story we're telling, the more problems we're creating. Dude, man, I'll, I'll tell, I haven't I'll, said it in a few weeks, but if it wasn't for the podcast, I would have shut this thing off a long time ago. I was, I was absolutely <laughs> done at this point. Oh, done. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is
1: a, this is a jumping up back in 08 in the theater. And I failed to mention, well, maybe I'll, I'll wrap that up at the end. I, that'll be my actually review. I'll, I'll the, the, grand reveal of that experience. For the audience members. Okay. No, I'm with you. Man, uh, I know I was very hard on Prometheus a couple of weeks ago, but man, I'll take some engineers fuddling about, but then whatever the hell is happening in this movie.
0: Oh, yeah, please give me that.
1: Yeah. Uh and if if that wasn't enough for you, we're about to introduce an old character with a bunch of more uh things here. So enter Karen Allen again as Marion Ravenwood, Mary Williams was what's been told to us. But she was the one that was kidnapped. She went looking after Oxley. Um, Mutt is her son. And yeah, we got the we got the we got the gang back together again. What do you think? What do you what do you think of that?
0: I mean, I guess I it's kind of a nice twist that we're kind of come to that Mutt is his son and it was kind of nice to see her again. I don't actually hate this. I just think it's rather remarkable that in all the places in all the world and all the cultures, yeah, she would just happen to be now wherever the hell he found her in Tibet in the first film and had known her prior to that and now finds her in the middle of wherever the hell they are, Peru, again there. I, I like seeing her back mm-hmm. and I'm glad she's in the film because I think she's been a great, Female foil for him compared to all the other ones that we've seen. Oh, definitely. So I'm happy with that. I just i got I, I gotta ask
1: you too. How do we not have a scene with her like trying to like outdrink someone? Like that was such a great part of yep. Raiders, right? Because they do it twice yep. in that film, which was, I'm going out with them because I can last longer drinking alcohol, and they could have had a comedic spin on that, which is she's older and can't handle liquor as well anymore. Like I don't know how they didn't even like do anything with that aspect of the character.
0: Okay, so you just did it to me again. Let's run with that because I was just going to say that. All right, so if you have a female antagonist and a really strong look who's back in the movie female supporting antagonist, then at some point those two women have to square off with each other. Mm-hmm. What better way yeah. than stone cold, hard boiled Mary and Ravenwood taken on stone cold. I live on vodka and regret Russian red bad guy. Yeah. And here's the thing that happens in the middle of that we're watching mud, watch his mother just plow shot after shot after shot mm-hmm. And we can put some stakes on it, too. Yeah. Like, we, we can make whoever wins that worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And you know what you do? You let the you let Kate Blanchett's character win. hmm Because if she beats Marion, and we've watched Marion do what she did to that guy in Tibet, holy shit, now at least that character is a bit more feasible other than an expert fencer rapier wielder, which we're going to get to in just a little while. Yeah. Uh, if someone wrote this or who had the talent to know what they were doing when they Yeah, did this was did, in charge, we could have had that easy. The so yeah. slam dunk right there.
1: Did Kepp even watch Raiders? Like did he even not like know like who he was bringing back into the fold?
0: Uh It's worth questioning. Yeah, it's a very very plausible that, possibility.
1: Like I don't know what they would have been drinking for like uh like whatever, but like yeah, her and Kate Blanchett scoring off over vodka shots would have just been Awesome. That
0: would have been so cool. There's a, In the middle of the jungle, there's any natural disaster that could have happened where they needed to take shelter and couldn't get to where they were going to get to. <laughs> mm-hmm. The rain's falling too much. We might get taken under a mudslide. We find some little cave. In the middle of that cave, somebody busts out a bottle because there's 50,000 Russian stormtroopers around that one of them's got to have a bottle of vodka on them. Yeah. Gets left behind. And in a moment of whatever... You know, Marion grabs a bottle, raises her eyebrows to what's her name, and they decide to get it. There's any number of ways that you could have pinned that. That would have been more entertaining than that fucking quicksand scene we're about to get to.
2: Yeah,
1: and I gotta tell you, I mean, there's a story here too. I mean, we got we got Mac, uh, played by Ray Winstone, and there's a story there that this movie just does not have time for, which is he's turned a Mm -hmm. corner on American servitude to help the Russians out because they're willing to pay. And it's probably because him and Indy have been like getting nothing in their uh, adventures, right? They're they're they're, yeah. they're they're not discovering any artifacts that are bringing home the the bounty. So yeah. he's like, these guys will pay. I will happily give them whatever they need because I'm getting for economic reasons. It makes more sense. I mean, there's something there, but this film does not have the space to even explore a smidgen of any of that. Yeah. Nope. I think he could be kind of a pretty complicated supporting character and instead we're just yeah we're we're, we're in quicksand. Oxley go get help
2: what, what,
1: what kind of help is that vegetative old man gonna go get in the middle of the jungle uh <laughs> what are you doing with him? uh I do like the I do like the little bit here I'll let'll let I'll let you go but uh uh when they throw him that snake to get out of there i I did really like that right.
0: He does act scared pretty good, doesn't
1: mm-hmm. he? Yeah, and it's a nice tie because you know the the snake phobia has shown up multiple times throughout this series, and it, it's nice to kind of see it here. And that, it, hey, if you want to live, you got to grab this thing. And it's 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 really traumatic for the you know the the very manly Indiana Jones, right?
0: So Oxley going and get help is the key that unlocks where this group was hiding because I mean, it's just over like two shrubs and their heads are sticking up above the shrubs. And you can see the Russians in their flashlights <laughs> yeah. over yonder, not quite looking in their direction. It's absurd that they have to use that foil to get the Russians back in, especially when they're both screaming or indie screaming with the snake. And that's after we get him out of the sand post reveal that mud, was sired by Indy with Marion at some latter or earlier stage of their relationship, blah, 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 blah. That's a final reveal. But again, kind of white noise, not that it's not important. Indy having a son is really important, but introduced where and how it's introduced you're lost in the middle of, Oh my God, there's too much going on. And then we don't have time to develop it much like the character you just mentioned, the sidekick, the triple agent or quadruple agent, because here comes somebody we care less about, Kate Blanchett. Again, poor, poor pacing, poor recognition of who we care about in the story, Yeah. and I guess we're just gonna get on with it because we still got a whole lot more story to tell, I think, or I hope not, but I guess we do. <laughs>
1: well, let's get on this convoy. It starts with this. Oh, God. Okay, this, this starts at a minute, an hour, and 15 no, minutes British. into the
0: show. Go ahead. But that was an RF pilot. He was a war hero,
1: not some
3: school teacher. No, sweetheart. Colin was your stepfather. You started dating when you were three months old. He was a good man. Wait, wait, wait. Col- Colin, as in, as in Colin Williams? You, You, <laughs> you married him? I introduced you!
4: I think you gave up your vote on who I marry when you decided to break it off a week before the wedding.
3: I think we both knew, Marion, it wasn't gonna work.
4: You didn't know that. Why didn't you ever talk to me about it?
3: Because we never had an argument. I
4: won. It's not my fault if you can't keep up. I didn't want to hurt
5: you. Oh, for love of God. Shut the hell up!
3: Didn't you ever wonder years ago why Ox stopped talking to you? Stop. He hated that you ran away. Don't you two just stop? Yeah, Marion. Let's not let the kids see Mom and Dad fight. You're not my dad, okay? You bet I am, and I got news for you. You're going to go back and finish school. Really? What happened if there's not a
1: damn
0: thing wrong with the kid, and don't let anybody else tell you any different? You don't remember saying that? That was before I was your father. You're not my father. Oh, you yes, You should have told me about the problem. kid
3: marrying. Uh-huh. I had a right to know.
4: You vanished after that. I wrote? A year later, by then, Matt was born, and I was married.
3: Why are you bothering to tell me now?
4: Because I thought we were going to die. Not yet.
1: So they kind of use this family squabble as a way to kind of escape, right? Yeah. And then we're about to get into a very long and drawn out chase sequence that again, because I watched the prior three films is just amplified in my book. That convoy chase in Raiders, I think I've gone on record on the podcast saying that's my favorite action scene in any film ever. Uh, and it's because it's done on location with real stunt people, practically with some optical effects. It's exciting. It's like five minutes. It's awesome. You got that tank chase in uh, in uh, what you in uh, Last Crusade, and then you got that mine, the cool minecart chase in uh, Temple of Doom, which is done with like <laughs> miniatures and puppets and really cool techniques. Here, this is just a CGI just smorgasbord of bullshit, and it looks terrible, and I I hold Spielberg to a higher level. Lucas would do something like this, but this looks phony as it can be, and it, it goes on way too long.
0: Okay, so if you're going to say that in Raiders that convoy Chase is your favorite action bit or the best action bit in any action film then I'm going to go the other way. And this is the worst. This is 16 minutes. I mean, this. I'm not just saying that I thought about this a lot today. We had a discussion myself and my wife about this very thing. Okay. She said, there's got to be one more. And I said, there's got to be something else. I said, I can't think of anything. I made her sit down and watch it with me. She almost threw up. Um, <laughs> it's from one to one which is when they finished the third dissension in a suddenly buoyant, metal car after three waterfalls doesn't kill any of them. That is the worst action bit ever. It is so shark jumpy that this is when we're going to coin a new phrase. And no longer are we even going to use the word jump the shark on this podcast. I'm going to give you a new one. It happens when after we've had our really ridiculous rapier battle on the back of two cars riding side by side, and Shia LaBeouf's balls being pummeled to death by the foliage of the (laughs) jungle. Yes, yes. He gets picked up into a series of vines that for some inexplicable reason elevates him to the treetop level where he meets a team of red bastard-hating monkeys who, at breakneck pace, Tarzan his ass, to get caught up to the caravan that at seventy miles an hour is merely a shortcut away through these trees if you'll just follow it. Hence the phrase, now no longer jumping the shark. This is going to be going forward on this podcast, economizing the monkeys. That's what this is. <laughs> economizing the monkeys? Economizing the monkeys. Okay. Set up like earlier in the show. We're not it. jumping the shark anymore. That's the B level version. This is even worse. This is worse than jumping the shark. We're economizing the monkeys. We're just putting a bunch of nonsense, bullshit, fake entertainment, summer tentpole crapola yeah. into this movie for no other purpose than trying to show how savvy and resourceful and garish and going to be Indiana Jones, Shia LaBeouf, a.k.a. Mud, is. For no purpose other than taking up 15 pages of what's a 139 page script that easily could shed 30 more pages. Yeah. It's a hateable, hateable 15 minutes. And it's very, it's,
1: yeah, it it doesn't have a smidge of the same DNA as any of the prior films. It's, it feels so phony it feels so synthetic it just doesn't feel natural it's just
0: yeah yeah all hit... that's happening Jesse is we're just handing off the crystal skull back and forth from car to car yeah so only then reveal that in the power of this jungle you know Jane Goodall did some good work with gorillas in Africa hence the movie gorillas in the myth and like what we should have what she should have done she should have gone on this crusade with Indy to get the crystal skull. Cause little did she know that the crystal skull can communicate with ants. <laughs> oh, maybe this is, maybe it's Pym technologies that needs to be involved in this film because all of a sudden this team of millions of angry ants descend upon this convoy driving at 70 miles an hour to then begin biting and devouring the baddies or near anyone that has any kind of flesh until the crystal skull is revealed, which then creates a force field of safety, kind of like the torches on the ground and the well of souls that yeah. we've protected the snakes from, mm-hmm. which is a cheap ripoff here again. Yeah. So that we can get the same fight that we had with Indy and that big bruiser guy that gets cut up in the blades of the, of the airplane in in Raiders of Lost Ark. We get the same version of that fight as that same Russian that was on that very fast moving train earlier in the movie shows up again, just long enough to duke it out with India a couple times and then be devoured by this team of angry ants that I've come to realize hates the Russians (laughs) as much as these monkeys do. Yeah.
1: The yeah, the, the big giant ants that yeah that the, they're fighting amongst. I think some nice fisticuffs between Harrison and this big bruiser guy, but yeah, they're just like around all of it is all these ants, these monkeys. And then we're in conveniently we're in jeeps that are also boats. And I completely forgot about this entire moment here. So after, you know, we killed the Russian guy, they eat him. The ants devour him. Cape Blanchet scurries away. and we got everyone, all our team in the <laughs> in this boat thing. And Marion Ravenwood drives this thing off the cliff. It lands on like a ver- a branch of a tree and nicely glides it into the river, right? Yep, And then we're about to go off of this thing not once, not twice, but three times. Oh, man, Matt, I might want to just jump out of a plane in an inflatable raft. This is
0: absurd. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know what was really fixable on this? As she's driving on the cliff, she Mm. sees that tree, and you can see she sees it because she smiles, and the wheels are turning in Marion's head. Okay, just leave it. And then after the ants descend upon everyone, maybe they descend upon the jeep that they're in, Mm -hmm. with the crystal skull in tow, she, and I, I don't even think this is a terrible idea, she gets to play lead savior for a minute, and she has them all follow her off the cliff as they jump into this tree, which then allows them an, although not entirely comfortable, peaceful enough tumble into the water to where they're not broken to bits, to then go down the rapids, and you can still do three waterfalls, they just don't need to be seven times the size of Niagara for me to buy it. They are, you can go off a 10-foot waterfall, and it still looks really good, and it's still really harrowing. They are gigantic. <laughs> yeah, and, like, this the first one is, like, the smallest of them. Maybe if you can buy that metal floats. Yeah. You buy that this boat car didn't capsize. By the time the second one's falling over, you can see the back end, the ass end of the car begin to tumble over the front, which – you know, physics and gravity be damned would spill all of the bodies from the car all over the place. Yeah. But no, they managed to survive that until they get to the third one. And at that point, it's, it's just, it's too far. At that point, it's, jump it's,
1: out. at that point, it's curtains, right? Oh my God. It's just, yeah, and we're, and we're not we're not done yet. Like, if that wasn't like, yeah, this whole like thirty minute whatever this is 35, 40 minutes like this chase, the monkeys, the ants, the yeah. waterfall yeah. jumping, we oh, haven't even g-
0: that, that bit is sixteen minutes, but it feels like forever.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. We when we haven't even gotten gotten to it yet because we're about to descend on El Dorado, or which is you know the lost city of gold, face in a
0: rock, a face in a rock. Yeah, yeah.
1: and. We're about to go get into the cavern. Uh, I There was something I did like here, you know. So, so you know, they they, they have a, a tisk with some natives here, and the, I guess the skull freaks them out as well. I mean, it's skull aversion yeah. to the, <laughs> the power of the skull, right? Yeah. Uh, the, This was kind of a cool thing. You know, this is what's really good about, like, the Uncharted uh, video games, which is, like, I got to solve the puzzle to get into the next room or the next area. And yeah. it's usually kind of like a cool thing here. Uh, they have to remove these stones from this, you know, uh, the stone pillar. And then that's going to release sand. That's going to open up this bottom. And once they get into this inner sanctum, they have a kind of, it's kind of like a cool built-in booby trap, which was they have like a limited amount of time to descend these stairs that are retracting or otherwise they're going to like be pierced by these spikes at the bottom. I thought that was pretty
0: cool. I'm with you. That was very Indiana Jones on point and like one of the few times in the movie, mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, that feels like reasonable and a lot like the opening scene in Raiders. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. We'll give it credit there. Yeah, Good job.
1: But then we enter the inner sanctum of the alien stronghold here and we see like, I don't know, what, 10, 12 glass skeletons or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then this is where Mac pulls the switcheroo. This is where we get that great line of, you're a triple agent, which is just hilarious.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then this is when I real uh, Like, if I didn't know at this point that this was like, I'm watching a pretty bad movie at this point. We're actually going to see the aliens become one being. And then it's going to try and... Kate uh, uh, Blanchett is going to try and mind meld with this thing. And... Yeah, this is a whole lot of no to me. Essentially, what ends up happening is they, they they take the Crystal Skull, it goes into the place where it was supposed to go, it awakens the one alien, I guess there's only one, yep. and then it activates this ship, this portal, uh, and it starts devouring everything. It kills the Russians, it kills Cape Blanchett, they barely escape, uh, Mac bites it, and this UFO, man, if you ever thought you were going to see a UFO in an Indiana Jones movie, here it is, right? Mm -hmm. very troubling imagery for me that ufo spinning there and then as if to just mock the audience and society it like it creates this valley that gets filled with water like instantly Yeah. yeah i gotta tell a story i mean like this film came out in 08 and i'm pretty out on it and have a lot of opinions on just why i didn't like it but my in my household growing up, if there was one series of films that were very, like, safe and well-watched in my household, it was the Indiana Jones trilogy. Like, we loved these movies. Sure. So when they're making a fourth one, I'm like, I would love to go see this with my parents. I think we this would be a great time, like, at the movies with them. And so I went at midnight with my friends. Uh, and then, like, a couple weeks later, they're like, hey, do you want to go see uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? And I just had to flat out tell them. I can't go see that movie again. I just, I can't sit through that. So they went to go see it, the two of them and they came back and they came to me and they're just like, yeah, that, that UFO at the end was kind of bullshit. <laughs> like even my parents Aww. knew that this was like not on par for like what had came yeah. before. Right.
0: Oh yeah. A bunch of hokey bullshit.
1: Yeah. I felt bad that I was like, hey, I got like, this was the film that like, that was that like film age in myself where I was, I was a little snobby, but I was to the point where I was like, I literally cannot subject myself to sitting through this movie again. You guys got to yeah. go, you guys got to go by yourselves.
0: Sorry, mom and dad. I love you, but you're on your own.
1: But from your perspective, you, you grew up with Indy in the eighties, this character that you've seen on adventures that you have enjoyed, uh, What is your thoughts on this alien descending into space? Like, what is going through your head at this point?
0: I I leaned over to the person I was with and said, I can't believe we did aliens. I can't believe we did aliens. Mm -hmm. So the social studies teacher in me is very intrigued by ancient cultures and civilizations. You know, I've built a career essentially kind of talking about various iterations of that. Mm -hmm. I I guess, you know, they they told me 10 minutes into the film what it was going to be and I just refused to believe it. And when it finished, I just sort of sat there exasperated like, God, this was a really, and we saw it so late. We were at the same showing that by the way, everybody. Yeah. That's the reveal. And, and, and we, uh, we were so just tired and frustrated that I I was at such a loss for words about what, what I had just seen because this character that even after the second one, which was kind of a failure, but rescued in the third one. And by failure, I use that, I use that word conservatively, right. Or maybe liberally, whichever, like not to the level of failure, but, um, I I just think I would have rather gone home and crashed. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, And at
0: that point I thought, I, I thought, okay, the, the monetization, of film has happened here, and this is another franchise that's left in absolute ruins because mm-hmm. we tried to milk one more out of it, and there wasn't another one in it. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, you hit it earlier. I loved what you said earlier. There were fifteen more in there. You just had to set it at the right time. Yeah, with the diff- different, There's a lot of indie, they can still tell Jesse, but just wasn't this one. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So, so this thing goes
1: back to space. It can finally go home. Uh... Thank God. Yeah, so now Indy we all has, can
0: finally go home.
1: Indy has seen yeah, you and me are going home at like close to three AM. Uh yeah. Indy uh has now seen the existence of God and aliens, which whatever. And then I mm. guess this adventure has been enough. So now him and Marion are gonna get married. Oh, jeez. This, this 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 wedding scene at the end is just just chaps my ass. And then you sloppy dude Oxley's over there, normal as can be. He's the John Hurt I know. So I guess his little brain, whatever, is is finished. And then the the film yeah. has the balls to have like the hat blow to Shia LaBeouf's feet and like give us the idea. That like he's gonna take up the mantle, and had this film probably been received a lot more warmly than it was on initial release,
5: gu- mm-hmm. guaranteed it totally would
1: be guaranteed they're going there, right? Yep. I mean Shia guaranteed. Shia LaBeouf at this time is probably is being groomed or you know put in positions to be kind of like the next big like movie star. I mean the tra- Transformers one had come out the year prior, and then you have this, and unfortunately for him and all his you know personal issues. All these films are just kind of not great, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess Disturbia is kind of a redeeming moment, but yeah, you're right. Kind of just either he's a really bad actor or he's got a terrible agent. I don't think he's a combination I, of both. I
1: don't think he's a bad actor. I think there's a lot of films that he's pretty good in, like Fury and, um, oh, God, what's uh, the it's other one? Uh, the Lawless. Disturbia. He likes uh, Dist- Disturbia, doesn't you? Disturbia Lawless with Tom Hardy. I think he's pretty good in yeah. that. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, with the right material, I think, yeah, he can, uh, definitely, uh, let those acting chops fly, but not, yeah. not here, not in, not in these projects where he just comes. Well, across. I
0: mean, Go ahead. let me tell you, let me tell you a story kind of about what was salvageable and what wasn't. Okay. So part of the reason for the sound everybody this week is obviously I'm still not back in town and we won't be for a little bit, but we checked out of a universal resort yesterday to come back to the Airbnb. And the bellman that checked us out was asking me about dial of Destiny, And mean, we had a brief conversation about that. And he told me a quick story about Indiana Jones, okay. Harrison Ford. And he's like, you guys want to, sure we have time. So after this movie was released, Harrison Ford stayed at the, at the hotel we were at. And he was the, the guest services bellman that carried his bags downstairs. Awesome. They had a conversation about this film oh, and, and Ford told this guy, there's no way in the world that Indiana Jones is going out this way. It's going to be a disaster. Mm. Told him. He knew it. Wow. So, you know, if the guy that made Indy Indy is realizing that, yeah. and he's as well established and as loved as that character is, nobody else in this film had a prayer because the material was so bad. The only reason he's not so bad is he gets the grace of previous performances to save it. And he's so good at the character that he can take mud and at least make, you know, Adobe out of it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, And I just thought that was really telling. He, the guy claims again, who's this guy? It doesn't really matter, but he claims that he told him this movie's going to blow. I just (laughs) want, you know, this movie sucks. (laughs) He knew ahead of time. And he said, "This, this I'm not going to, he told him, I'm not going to let this be the end for this character. And he kept, at least he kept his work.
1: Um, yeah, I think I can equate it to this kind of just sentence here, and then we can get get into some, some questions. Uh, I think it's a movie that everybody wanted to see that nobody wanted to make.
0: Well said. Yeah
1: from Spielberg to like, and you know, some of like Harrison like probably wanted to make it, but like, not like, you know, this current iteration. Uh, Yeah. I think it was something there was for years, there was times when I was saying, man, if a fourth indie came out, I think that would be like the biggest movie of all time. It would beat Titanic. And not if you're going to do it like this, ladies and gentlemen.
0: (laughs)
3: Right. Exactly.
1: But it was, it was a bit of a hit, a $185 million budget. It made, uh 800 million worldwide gross pretty pretty decent take in but i think it was just it could have been i think that number could have been huge if it was a film that was like on par with like last crusade and raiders sure um but matt what is your favorite tasting note scene sequence moment of crystal kingdom of the crystal skull
0: i can only well my favorite moment is it's it's the opening i actually thought that that was pretty well done yeah uh the rest of it was trash. Um, other than when the stand fell out of that mechanism to allow him to get into the place where the aliens were, <clears throat> that was all right. But that that opening chase through the vaults of treasures, led by various instruments that were metallic enough to be magnetized, I thought was pretty cool. That's that's the best I can do.
1: Yeah, I liked uh, my Mine will be that. uh, uh, motorcycle chase through the city, town, college. I thought that was kind of a, a good, exciting bit of action. I didn't see a lot of CGI in there, so I kind of felt like a lot of it was done practically, as indie stuff should be. Um, Especially, yeah. you know, they're influenced by a lot of the old serials, which was just stuntmen throwing themselves at things, and that's why, you know, yeah. those first films are so great. Um, yeah. oh, What are we going to pick here? What is the...
0: Oh, my God!
1: moment of kingdom of the crystal skull.
0: You had take this. And you have the first one.
1: I, I, I have to pick nuke fridge. It was, it was the moment that will live in infamy as the moment that broke Indiana Jones for me of, yeah, maybe I don't need any more of these movies. Yeah. Maybe this isn't going to be a good adventure. I, I think that's 20 minutes in, which is, you know, decently late into the film. But I was like, this has no time or place being in, in one of these films. That, that fridge flying over the the Russian car that didn't let him in, landing in the desert, j- toppling over several times, I just I couldn't believe what was happening. That's mine.
0: Yeah, mine's going to be the return to action from mud aided by monkeys and tree vines just before. The Russians finally get the last leg up on India and Marion. That is tragically stupid. Mm-hmm. That whole fifteen minutes is awful. That's the crowning moment in a jewel that in the crown of a the jewel of a crown that nobody wants to have. Yeah, it's awful. And shame on Steven Spielberg for letting that happen. Shame on David Kep for writing that. <laughs> Somebody needed to be an adult in the room and look at each other and say, "This is complete bullshit. We're not doing monkeys." Yeah. And Tarzan, like, this is bullshit. But no one did. So screw them all.
1: Um, yeah, okay, excellent. What's your, uh, who's the master distiller on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull?
0: <laughs> You're gonna laugh. I'm going to give it to Kate Blanchett because she is all in in the worst role of her career. Okay. She is going all in. Johnny Depp, balls to the walls in makeup. I'm a cold Russian blondie yeah. who's really good at the sword with nothing to work with. It's laughably bad but I'll give her credit because she at least earned her paycheck.
1: Yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm going to go with Harrison Ford. I think he still looks good as the character. I think he's decent in the film. The material does him no favors, but uh, yeah, if they wanted to do old man Indy, uh, I can buy it. It's just, this isn't the property to kind of really flesh that out. Uh, right. I owe him a I think I always kind of held him like, like it was kind of like in his phase where I kind of considered him not really caring. But watching this again, I was like, he's actually still pretty good as the character. He looks good. Uh, He's in decent shape. He's doing a lot of this himself. So, yeah, I got to give it to him. Okay, that's fair. It's not the same shape, though. I got to tell you, there's Temple of Doom Harrison. Like, Raiders Harrison is, like, almost kind of like blue-collar archaeologist. And then, like, Temple of Doom is like, I am... Buff, indie. I am getting in shape for this film. Like, he, yeah, he looks good in that movie. Like, he, like, yeah, he, he, yeah, he, yeah. he, he got in good shape for that one. And he looks like an action movie star in that thing. Um, really, mm-hmm. really, re- really good. Um, I think it's Temple of Doom grows on me, Matt. I, it, it was always the black sheep of this franchise, but, um, that, that one has a lot of moments that work really well for me and some that, like, re- really don't either. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah. How are you gonna rate and grade Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? We have rock gut, well, call single barrel and tippy top shelf. Where are you going this week?
3: Well, I mean,
0: obviously, right? This is complete rock gut. This is trash on high. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this 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 bottle blows. Uh, throw it out. Um, you know, mad dog twenty twenty this and, and go buy another bottle. It's cheap. This is this is awful. It's terrible. This is crapola. terrible film.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I don't think we we've had quite a, a rock cut film in a while. Even Prometheus, I think I was nice enough to give it a well wellish rating, but get this mm-hmm. is this is pretty rock cut in, in my book. And I know yeah. this film has its apologists, and there's some people out there, you know, trying to change a tune that it's not as bad as you thought it was. But I'm too big of a fan of the other three films to like let this one slide by. And now I have to own a box set that has this in there. Um, uh, the, the 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 to wrap this story full circle, so we leave this midnight screening Um, I'm just like beside myself on what's happened to Indiana Jones, and by happenstance, I literally run into you in the lobby of this movie theater. <laughs> yeah, and we are just like, yeah, that movie was kind of bad. That movie kind of sucked, and just like in like total agreement of like this monstrosity that happened uh yeah it was it was it was fairly hilarious you and i have run into the movie theater uh you know not by planning just by happenstance right yeah a couple times so that that was one of them that was a pretty good one because you you just kind of echoed my feelings like in a nutshell which was pretty great
0: exhausted exasperation and disappointment yeah Ugh.
1: And and so to just tell the audience what ha- so afterwards I went back to like our friend's house and we had like just kind of like a big like sleepover at, at like my friend's house and like we watched after that think of this night man we went from two thirty three o'clock ending Crystal Skull and then we went and watched The Shining in its entirety oh my god man we didn't go to sleep until like six seven a.m. like it was it was yeah. wild it was it was a long day I'll just say that.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, but I'm raising it up to you, Matt. I knew this was going to be a hearty conversation on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Let's wrap this up with yep. our nightcap. <laughs> Alrighty, righty, so kind of the exact opposite of our flight question. I want you to give me a sequel uh, that wasn't on your radar, that you weren't looking forward to, that you could have give, given two rips about, that actually ended up surpassing your expectations. What do you got for me for this one?
0: One that's fairly recent, okay. uh, and I wasn't kind of going against the grain here with what everybody said from, you know, recollecting great memories from the night or from the eighties. I wasn't a huge fan of top gun and you know that like, it's okay. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that movie is just this masterpiece. I, I, it's okay. Like I, the best I can give it is just okay.
2: Yeah,
0: Maverick's way better. Mm-hmm. And when that came out, I was like, I don't know about that one. And literally said, I, I guess, because everybody in my family was like, Hey, yeah, yeah. It's Maverick, man. That wow. movie was fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, best summer movie last summer with a bullet. Mm-hmm. And um, probably this summer so far as well. And uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I'm going to go with Maverick. Good choice. Thank you. Yeah, we
1: we did an episode on both films, actually. And yeah, you were lukewarm, lukewarm at best on the first one uh and then yeah. yeah yeah very very stellar rating on the second one I'm with you um I, I think I still like the first one more and that a lot of that's nostalgia and cheesy 80s factor in there but Top Gun Mavericks yeah. a phenomenal film uh I've seen it yep. a couple times since the theater and yeah it, it still plays really well at home it's exciting it's everything you want a summer movie to be fantastic choice
0: Thank you. What do
1: you got? I have one in an honorable mention. They're both from the horror genre, but uh, two films that I think came out and I didn't see them till way, way after the fact one came out. I wasn't even born, but I think 28 weeks later is a really decent follow-up to 28 days later. But mm. um, it was one that I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever need to see that. And then I, I did and it's actually, it's not bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robert Carlyle, Rose Byrne, Idris Elba in, in that Jeremy Renner. Uh, it's a decent continuation to what Danny Boyle set up with that that first film. Good. And then in another one that I totally slept on for decades because I love the original so much, it's Psycho 2. Hmm. Psycho 2 is a very decent sequel written by Tom Holland of Fright Night uh, fame. Uh, it, it plays around... With as long as it possibly can, the idea of what if Norman like is like totally reformed and changed, and what's happening around him is like something else of nefarious intentions, and it's not him. Uh yeah. For people out there that haven't seen Psycho 2, give it a watch. It's 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 really decent in a way you wouldn't expect.
0: Yeah, you know what? We brought that up a couple times. I need to sit down and go with that again. Don't mm-hmm. I need to watch that film. Yeah,
1: yeah. Anthony Perkins. Um, Vera Miles is in the film as well, and so is uh, Meg Tilly, uh, Jennifer Tilly's mm-hmm. sister. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's not a bad little watch. Cool. Great choices, great choices. Well, that's the capper on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. But we're not done with Indy just yet. Uh, to lead into the what was number one on our summer box office uh, prediction list, which was Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny has hit theaters. Uh, we're going to cover it next week. You've seen it. I'm about to go see it. But uh, this should be, I'm sure, another long conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, next week's going to be interesting. I'm going to see it again. Uh, okay. We saw it really, really late. Uh, we saw it Thursday night, and that was after eight days and record temperatures here in Orlando. So um, it's a little bit weathered, so I'm going to – it again but okay. yeah we i can already tell you we're gonna have a ton to talk about next week Ton. when
1: do we not have a ton to talk about this is suddenly not the short form podcast this is it's like these episodes uh i think the last like seven or eight have been two plus hours
0: so hey because you just you never shut up you just want to keep going and going it's just this is all your fault yeah
1: i know it's just i was like hey it ends when it <laughs> ends really I mean, uh,
0: if you don't want to listen to just they could Click off and move on to something
1: else. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if we can keep this streak going. Like if like once October rolls around and we're doing Halloween five, the revenge of Michael Myers, <laughs> can me and you keep it going for two hours? That'll be the real. That test. might be a big ask. That'll be the real test, right? Indeed. Awesome. Well, cheers to you, Matt. I miss you from over here. Cheers, Can't cheers. wait till you're back in front of me here across this table.
0: Yeah, uh, hey, I look forward to getting back in the office and seeing you again, bud. Absolutely. Um, but I gotta get
1: going. Hey man, it's it's hot. It's we're in the dog days of summer. I think I'm gonna go get in my fridge and see if that cools me down.
0: <laughs> if it's lead line, you got a chance. If it doesn't, watch out because you have no no business surviving any heat blasts and then not a lead line fridge because that makes the difference. Yeah,
1: and hopefully there's a prairie dog waiting for me on the other end of that. We'll see you oh all next. God, yeah, me too. We'll, we'll see you all next week, everybody.
0: Have a good... Ready for this? I got a new one this week. Have yeah. a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the space between the spaces. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ is right. Space. He didn't exist. There's aliens instead, remember?
1: Yeah, no, space Jesus instead.
3: <laughs> Later.
1: Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or if you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is property of Paramount Pictures and Lucasfilm Limited. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Sorry, Jonesy. So what are you, uh... A crippled
2: agent?